Listener supported. WNYC Studios. When you make something, it's almost like there's a canyon, and all of these people's voices come into this canyon. Your mom's voice, Ira Glass's voice, your neighbor down the street, his voice. (laughs) And it's up to you to, like, find the thing that feels true and, like, resonates with your heart and, like, to take that out and to put that into words. That's what Megan Tan tries to do every time she sits down in her closet to record an episode of Millennial, her podcast about navigating your 20s. Megan joined a conversation moderated by Manoush Somarodi, the host and managing editor of WNYC's Note to Self, about finding your voice on the microphone. I'm Shamita Basu, and this is Work It, the podcast, a compilation of the best moments from the live event. Here's Manoush and Megan, along with Happier's Gretchen Rubin, How to Be a Girl's Marlo Mack, and YOY's Andrea Salenzi. I cannot even tell you how lucky we are to have this lineup to talk about voices. Um, it might be shocking to some people that women sound different than each other. Um, we, I know, it's true. We're going to prove it to you. Um, there's lots of different ways to get your voice out there. You can talk about yourself. You could talk about other things. You can talk about... It's, it's amazing the choices that women have these days. So that's exciting that we can get into that today. Um, and just to make sure we're all on the same page, I want to go through each of the panelists and sort of let them tell a little bit about their trajectory, because I think that is so instructive to understand how they got to be sitting right here. And also, I asked them each to bring a little sample of something that they thought, something from their show that where they really felt like they sounded like themselves, which sounds so easy and yet is so hard, as I'm sure many of you know. So let's start with Megan. Megan Tan hosts Millennial. She has big news. I don't know if you heard it. Share with everyone. Welcome. We just signed on with Radiotopia. And and I have my lovely lady sitting over here, Julie Shapiro and Carrie Hoffman. Where are they? And okay, so you live in Maine. I do. I live in Portland, Maine. And tell tell everyone about your studio, Megan. It's a closet. <laughs> I just added Christmas lights and I was like, upgrade. <laughs> uh, it's always been a closet. It, it, there's something intimate about going into a, a closet and like having a microphone and being able to be yourself. There's no one judging you. You're talking to yourself. Okay, so we actually have a clip of you in your closet. Yeah. <laughs> and can we just play that? In the dark in my closet <laughs> at 3.22 a.m. What is this life that I'm living? It's pretty good, this it's, life that you're living. You're going to stay in your closet. I am. Like, despite joining the ranks of Radiotopia. Yeah, yeah. I like, I mean... When Millennial first started, it there, were, there weren't any stakes. Like I was making it as a portfolio piece to basically show people that I could be a radio producer because that's what I wanted to be. And I feel like if I there's there's like so much sincerity and authenticity within that space, and also freedom that I felt like if I took it out of that space, who knows what it would become? Yeah, the yeah, show itself. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk more about that. Gretchen Rubin, you probably know her book, best-selling books, The Happiness Project. 
Um, it's I like to treat myself during winter break, like reboot myself reading a Gretchen book. Excellent, excellent. And um, Gretchen, uh, the clip that we have of you uh, is also actually in a closet. Yeah. This is a theme. Theme. Yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what's going on in this? Why podcast right, and, right. and what we're about to hear? Um, right. So I've been a writer for a long time, for many years, and I love to connect with audiences about the subjects that I'm obsessed with. And so uh, I started this podcast, Happier, with Gretchen Rubin, and my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who you will hear, it's actually her closet that we're in, is my co-host, <laughs> and she's like the innocent bystander to my um, happiness bullying, as she would say. Um, and, uh, and so we talk about happiness, good habits, human nature, kind of like how to make your life happier and uh, we're very different from each other so we act as good foils and I will say also one of my secrets about how to be heard that I learned as a writer is to always pass around a newsletter where people so people can sign up to get your stuff so I'm going to put that into practice right now and hand out my sign up yeah Gretchen said to me before we walked out she was like what I kind of want people to sign up for my newsletter I was like so let's just be shameless yes, and ask so them I, to. I am, I am, I am, uh, yes, exactly. That's how you work. But I also wanted so to add a column for the note no, to self newsletter. Yeah, no, um, no press. Yeah, yeah, nope. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. so go on. So let's hear you and your yeah. sister. Um, yes, I'm trying to help her clean the clutter in her closet. She's very, very messy. So we have four people standing in Elizabeth's bedroom. We are about to enter her closet. Yeah, and I'll just bring up, Gretchen, that this is not a dire situation, although it's it's needed. We've done this before when I was moving apartments. Gretchen had to come out for an emergency trip from New York because to get me to move, um, I had so much stuff. I was completely out of control. And I believe that we found mail that you had moved unopened, not just from one apartment, but from two apartments. Everybody needs a sister like Gretchen, yeah. I think, actually. So, Gretchen, just for people to understand, it is, it is about you, but it's also about the research that you've done yeah. and about, can you just describe a little bit how the podcast supplements all the work that you've done in, for your books? Right. So we start off with a try this at home, which is like a concrete tip that you can use in your everyday life to be happier. So we'll talk about, okay, well, why should you do, why, recently we talked about design your summer. Why would you design your summer? And so we would talk about our own experiences, why why it occurred to us, our own, what we might do to design our summers, but also the research. Why is it that you would want to be mindful about how you spend your time? How do you change your experience of your life and your, you know, make, make uh, experiences more rich? Um, so there's, we draw on our own experiences, but then also a lot of times the research or, or, or you know, or other kind of, you know, or have a clip from the office or something like that that's going to illustrate the kind of things that we're talking about. We talk about happiness stumbling blocks or... Um, Strategies for changing habits, have interviews. Um, I now carry around um, baggies of almonds because yes. Gretchen, Gretchen told me to. Yes, so I'm, there's that. Um, you have power. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrea Salenzi, she has just come off a gig. How many episodes? 500 Over episodes? 500 episodes of The Gist. Producing The Gist. A daily Mike show. Pesca. Daily show. And you also have some pretty big news. So my old show, YOY, is going to finally meet its full potential. I'm going to be making it for Panoply starting in September. So awesome. So how would you describe YOY? I say it's where love and sex, it's about love and sex and relationships, but that's kind of the Trojan horse of the show, and it's really about the things that make me feel uncomfortable (laughs) and the things that I love to talk about with my friends and try to discover with them. Okay, we have a clip of that. Back at his place, I close the bathroom door and look deep inside my eye. There's green mucus around the lids. 
pull out a glob. Mike, I need to tell you something about my eye, and you may never want to have sex with me again. He's pouring wine, picking out music. He says to me, almost bored, I'm not worried about that. I think I blew my nose into my eye. Will you Google that for me? Can you Google blow your nose into your eye, can you? But don't look at the pictures or anything, because sex. I, so, I kind of love that. That's a story it's about so the gross. night we first exchanged I love you. Oh, oh that's And it so was nice. pink eye. That's definitely a symptom. It was pink, pink eye. eye? Yes. Green eye. Ooh. And then he got it, too, and then I got it in my other eye, and it just went back and forth forever. I mean, so. that's love, so there you go. Um, Andrew, you also wanted to mention that you are hiring. Oh, yeah. So YOI needs a producer, and I'm open to someone from podcasting or from outside of podcasting, and the website. Just Google Slate, job, podcast, something, and you'll find it. I'll email it to all the listeners really soon. Okay, and then our last panelist, where is she? There she is, Marlo. Marlo's right in the front row. And the reason why Marlo is in the front row is actually because we have a favor to ask of you. Um, so Marlo, Marlo hosts a, a podcast called How to Be a Girl. And, um, and it's really important that her identity is not shared outside this room. Marlo's not her real name. Um, and it is a wonderful podcast. Can you just describe what it's about and, um, and a little bit more about why it is important that your identity stay here? Sure. Thank you. Um, well, How to Be a Girl is about my exploration of parenting a transgender daughter. Uh, my daughter is eight years old, and she told me uh, when she was not even four years old, my son at the time told me, Mama, I'm, I'm a girl. Something went wrong in your tummy, and I came out as a boy, and I, I'm a girl. Um, so it's been quite a journey since then. When she was six years old, I started um, the podcast, and it's an ongoing challenge. I, I actually really don't know what's, what's coming around the bend, but I just try to share what, what it's like for us and... and it's yeah. a, obviously very topical right now, so uh, more people are, are fortunately learning about kids like mine. I'm trying to help with that. Let's, can yeah. we hear, play that clip? Or when my child staged a play for the family at her birthday party, in which she was a woman giving birth to her baby doll. She asked me if the baby could wait any longer, and I said, no, I don't think so. And I sat there watching. I put it inside my shirt. With my heart kind of and cracking. And I jump and and push it out, and then she would come running and try to catch it. Thinking about how little she understands. So I stick it in her shirt, and then what I do... And about the things I'm going to have to explain to her. Like the fact that if she really does want to be a woman, she will never have babies of her own. She hasn't got a womb, and the hormones she will take will render her sterile as a male. And then she said, and then I say, here she comes, and... Basically, I pushed the baby out, and then... Um, I just don't want to tell my kindergartner that. So, Marlo... It's hard for me to listen yeah. to. Yeah, do you want me to take... Should yeah. I go to somebody else? No, no, it's fine. It? It's okay. just, that's hard to listen to. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's my question. Why yeah. do it? Why, Why put... do it? Yeah. Um, well, as you said, just just underline my anonymity is, is really important to me, so I really appreciate everyone respecting that. Um, She's very private about being trans. Uh, she, we, we struggle with the privacy versus not, and also having, trying to make sure that she's also proud of being trans, but while maintaining her privacy. Um, but I do it 
I do it because I, I need, we need people to know that we exist. A lot of people, uh, there are a lot of children like mine and a lot of them are living among us and no one knows they're there because they need to be private and they need to just be children. Um, but we need to, to know they're there and you, support them. You told me a really interesting story um, in the green room while we were waiting about, yeah. um, we were like, we were talking about like finding your voice. She's like, yeah, well, I literally was not going to use my voice. Can you just share that? Yeah, I, I, after I picked out my pseudonym, I thought I started worrying about um, someone recognizing my voice. So I set about trying to find someone else to be me on my podcast. And I auditioned a couple of my good friends who I thought had great voices. Um, and had, I coached them. I said, no, say it like this. I mean, literally word <laughs> for word. There's not enough pathos. No, it's funny here. You know? And that was a disaster. So, um, uh, so I, I actually interviewed a professional actor who was really enthusiastic about it, but that felt strange. Um, the last thing I tried was voice modification software, um, where I sounded like, um, well, it was just really creepy. Portlandia. Right, well, yeah, it was port, like Portlandia. Can no, you do Terry it? Brownstone's Can you do the, the boyfriend? Voice? She's like, I love you so much, man. Yeah, that's it. You know, like that's that perfect. Moment. Yeah, it was frightening. No one would want me to be parenting. So... Um, <laughs> Finally, my radio, my buddies in my radio club in Seattle said, you know, you just need to be you. And when, when we hear you, we hear the story. So I just went for it. And um, no one has, some of my friends actually don't recognize my voice on it. So, so it's, it's been fine. It's so, been fine. okay, this, this advice, you just need to be you, which, you know, like every cliche yeah, is, it is fucking cliche. annoying and yeah. yet true at the same time. <laughs> Megan, like, did anybody ever say that to you? I, I did... You did mention that, like, you would listen or your boyfriend would listen back to tape and he'd be like, oh, wait, there, for two seconds I heard you, like yeah. the real you. Yeah. Ha- tell me about finding your voice. The voice. The voice. The voice. Um, well, so before, I, I was an intern here, um, and I remember having a conversation with somebody who works here, and I remember him saying, when you make something, it's almost like there's a canyon and all of these people's voices come into this canyon. Your mom's voice, Ira Glass's voice, your neighbor down the street, yeah. his voice. <laughs> and it's up to you to like find the thing that feels true and like re- resonates with your heart and like to take that out and to put that into words. And that was really interesting. And, and, and like those moments exist in like a very sliver, mm-hmm. I think, of, of your work. And having somebody mm-hmm. like, my ben, like, like my Ben, like my boyfriend <laughs> Ben, who listens and he'll say, this little part sounds like you. And like everything else doesn't. Like, are you going to retract that? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. yeah. Like having those people who, who, who know you as... Like, who, who know your heart, I feel like those are the people you want on your team to essentially pull out the, the best parts of you. Yeah. And, and to expand that part. Yeah. I got um, a new producer a year ago, Jen Poyant. I don't think she's here. Um, she put this together last year. And um, it changed everything. I had no idea. Like, she just would, like, she's she saw my heart like kind of thing mm. and um and who i ended up being in the studio i just suddenly like relaxed mm. and people literally from week to week were like oh what's changed something's different like something's different i'm like yep something's different somebody's okay with what i really sound like mm. was what was different and um what's interesting to me is that our numbers reflected that 
mm. shift mm. that I relaxed, the audience relaxed, and more people wanted to be there with me. Um, I'm curious to know similar, different experiences. I mean, Gretchen, you found your voice very much in writing. Yeah, I feel like I'd already was very much uh, in touch with how my voice was and sort of like how how to present myself in public in a way that I felt comfortable with. And it was also much easier for me because I'm with my sister. And my sister, for me, is the person probably who knows me the, the truest, you know, the longest, the best, who's not going to let me get away with anything, <laughs> um, but also is, is so loving to me. And so I feel like that, that... And she's also much more willing to expose herself and be vulnerable. And so I feel like insofar as she pushes me, it's in the right direction. Um, and it just, it's just fun, and, and, uh, and that makes it a lot easier for me um, to really have my, sort of the, my personal voice shining through from just kind of like the information that I'm getting. Because I think that's what makes it more interesting. It's not just this information about you know, how to live a happier life, but it's also infused with um, you know, people and stories about us. So. Okay, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Ooh, what? I know. It's a good one. I feel like it's appropriate. Like, you wrote very serious biographies mm-hmm. before you yeah. switched uh, genres, writing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe your moment of, like, your, your come to Gretchen moment was different than we each have our own, like, come yeah. to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are moment. Yes. Like, yeah. what happened there? Like, why did you suddenly decide to listen mm. to your own voice? It was books first. It happened to be podcasts for us, but... Well, really, my subject is human nature. That's what I'm interested in. My first book was called Power, Money, Fame, Sex, A User's Guide, which is like the opposite of the happiness project. Um, <laughs> and so I was drawn to, to Winston Churchill and to JFK because they were like these giant figures where you could really see human nature writ large because they're just so enormous and there's just like so much voluminous material about everything they did. Um, and so for me, the happiness project was like, I, I just was drawn to another aspect of human nature. And I realized like the way to make it interesting was to talk about sort of one person's experience with it. And it just sort of happened to be me. Um, uh-huh. and I think kind of anyone's happiness project would be fascinating to read about. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't do it sort of consciously thinking like, now I'm going to embrace first person. It was more like, well, what's the best way to communicate this information in a way that's going to resonate with people? Oh, that's people? interesting. You didn't yeah. consciously. Yeah. And, um, I also have this thing where I'm drawn to like weird narrative forms and my, my agent was like, this time write a straight narrative. I don't want to see a box. I don't want to see a list. <laughs> like just, you know, do it straightforward. And that was a really good lesson for me. Um, huh. you know, but, uh, and then so for the podcast, then I was sort of already in that mode of expressing my ideas through the lens of my own experience. Um, which is how, what it what it is. Okay, so Andrea actually asked a really interesting question in the green one. I would love for you guys to answer, like how you think. Go ahead, ask this question. So interesting because as you guys heard, her show up till now has very much been about her own experiences, right? Right, and I've been wondering wh- why I was so inclined to start in the personal. So there's a great Roxanne Gay quote that I'm going to just summarize, which is along the lines of women only feel permission sometimes to be experts on themselves. And I think about that all the time. Like, why did I start talking about dating? Why do I feel drawn to the personal essay? Why is that my favorite thing to indulgently click on online? Um, and then how do you turn away from that? So I feel like when you use yourself as a character in your own show, people want to know what happened next. Um, like, what, how's your grandma doing? Are you still dating that guy? And can you pull that back? Can you ever have permission to just be an expert on something totally unrelated to yourself? What do you guys think about that? You can do whatever you want is your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, no, I mean, I'm hoping to. Um, I just, I feel that pull from the audience sometimes it, where the, you get a yeah. bigger response to something that comes from your own life. Well, because, and I, I think yeah. that is fascinating to me because in a way, like, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. I'm like, well, the audience wants me to dish. So here I go. But actually, like for me, technically what I'm doing is a tech show. And so um, being an expert on privacy and surveillance and data protection and all of those things, holy shit, it took me a while. I kind of did it out in the open, but I kind of think I am an expert now. (laughs) And um, I even went to D.C. and did this big event with the Electronic Privacy Information Organization last week. And nobody asked me about my kids. And I was like, okay, I can do both. (laughs) Yay! That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, right? Um, so I think there's a yeah. point here, which is like your audience, it's it's easy, right, to yeah. talk to you about you because they feel so close to you, that intimate nature of podcasting. But maybe if you just have to but hold your hand. the difference between season one and season three of Startup? Right. Mm. But people what miss you, season you, one, don't they? Yes. Yes. But, and, it, and but it's would you say it's a, how we launch shows. So right. we think about the launch of Death, Sex, and Money. Anna Sale told her personal story. The launch of Only Human, the host told her story. Um, I feel a lot of pressure to come out and continue to tell my story. But it's also storytelling. Like, yeah. in every single film, there is one protagonist. You see yourself in that protagonist. As, you are, like, as a character, people see their lives through your own uh and i i okay marlon i'm curious to hear how you go on this one too because at what point could you broaden out your show like i mean startup's a really weird analogy to use for your show but like first it started with me and then it's other people's stories about going through this literal transformation is it possible yeah there's something that i've i've debated do i then sort of become you know a person who's going out and finding the experts. And I've, I've done some interviews with sort of experts about transgender kids, and I haven't made them into podcasts yet. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to keep, keep a balance, I suppose, um, with telling the story through my, my personal experience, because mm-hmm. that's, that's the lens that I think people are attracted to with, with all of our podcasts is they feel like they know us. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the podcasts that I love the most and are the hosts that I love the most as, as I, I want to feel like I'm listening to a friend. I don't want to lose that. I want to, you know, why is it important to them? So I try and I just actually interviewed my ex-husband for the next. So he's going to be the first sort of non me outside of me and my daughter, the first big character. Wow. What was his experience? Um, because we were we were separated when she transitioned, so I didn't really know what he was going to say. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that wanting to broaden the story. But how do you keep? Yeah, how do you keep your keep the intimacy that people are so drawn to? Um, I mean, in a way, I think. I, I, this goes, sorry, I, Alex Bloomberg, apologies to you for using you as your, our, our workshop example. But um, I kind of wished that in the second and the, and the third ones, like, you, wanted, you missed Alex, right? Because he was your buddy and, like, you really were rooting for him and everything. And at that point, he was the expert. I wanted him to weigh in on what was happening to all the other startup people. And I'm sort of wondering if that's a way to, like, for me, it took me a while to feel 
like I, I know what I'm talking about, but now I notice like, I, I'm not okay with just letting it be like a news story. That was part of finding my own voice, but now I actually have an opinion. I know shocking. Um, and I actually will share it on the podcast. And that is when I find that I get the most response from the audience. I'm wondering like, wh- what do you get the most response from? And when you get a response from your audience, where do you get it? Do you get emails? Is it tweets? Is it just your numbers go up? We get emails from and, and voicemails and uh, from people and and it's funny when you hit a nerve. You don't always know when you're going to hit a nerve and uh, and then people will just kind of blow, it'll just sort of blow up, which is exciting, which which I love. Um, and I think it's one of the things we think about a lot is what is the difference between fans and a community? Like how can you make fans feel like part of a community? And I think the idea of part of a community is like fanning the flames of. You're going to talk back to me. I'm listening. We're going to tell you what people said. Or like, oh, my gosh, so many ha- people have this, like, passionate idea. Are, like, super, super invested in thank you notes. Like, I cannot tell you how much I have spent time thinking about, because this issue came up on our podcast, and it turned out, like, people have these very deep, um, deep uh, responses. And another thing that I've been experimenting with is Facebook Live video. So once a week I do a Facebook Live video that's based on the podcast. So I take some issue that came up in the podcast and then talk about it. And some of the people are just like wandering by on Facebook, and some of the people are podcast listeners. But it's it, it, but it's another way to try to get a sense of can we create a community around people who are just listening, you know, uh-huh. so that they feel like there there's some engagement too. What about you, Megan? When like, how did you know that it wasn't like? What was the moment where you were like, okay, I'm not just by myself in my closet, like. <laughs> When so th- there was this Guardian article that came out, and that was like I think millennials' first bump, and that was nuts because I was still a waitress and like podcast life and then real life were very different. Yeah, and all of a sudden my phone was just going off, and and people were responding. Yeah, like you said, and like tw- like tweets. We get a lot of tweets, um, a lot of emails. Yeah, so when you say, like, how do you know when things are sticky? Like, when we announced that we had joined Radiotopia, it was, like, graduation plus birthday party plus, like, (laughs) you know, like a huge fiesta. And everybody who is listening to your voice is, like, they're with you. Mm. And and that's how, like, that's kind of how I see Twitter Mm -hmm. is, like, high fives Mm -hmm. on the Internet, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I do think that there's a community. I do think that... That listeners and an audience, it's the same because, like, you're bringing people together in the same way that this is a community right here, you know? Like, we're all gonna get to know each other afterwards, but everybody is remote because that's just the world that we right. live in. Yeah. Okay, so this is the positive stuff. So I'm going to share my dark uh, worry, which is I run into people in the hallway and they're like, you sound great. And I'm like, I am great. But what about when the day comes when I'm not great? And tragedy comes to us all. Have I created, without even realizing it, a character, my happy self? Like, Andrea, you look like you're like, yep, I I got that worry too. Yeah, because I feel like we were talking about how we find our true voice. And I never feel like the Andrea you'd hear on the show is is me. Um, You don't? No, I feel like Andrea is often a character. Um, and I was, I was writing in that character the other day and I was like, Andrea, if she were alone on a beach, would be dreaming about Lena Dunham, toaster (laughs) pastries and rosé. And if I were alone on a beach, I'd be thinking about my friends and my family and my career. And 
probably rosé, but like, <laughs> not, like there's some overlap, but, um, I feel like it's like me turned up a notch and I feel like harnessing her is a challenge and also separating myself and keeping some privacy is important. So you've done that in a, in an interesting way. In some of your previous YOY episodes, there's been an element of fiction to it, mm-hmm. which I have to admit has made me deeply uncomfortable. Like I'm a hardcore Good. journalist, and like part of me is like, "What? Come on, yeah." Well, I don't. Well, I yeah. guess you can, no but like, rules, I didn't know that. You know, it's your show, right? Yeah. I was doing it for a community radio station, and now I'm going to be doing it for a podcast network. And I think my favorite stuff is mixing truth and fiction. But is, so, do you, are you doing that to maintain pr- privacy? It's probably protective too. Interesting. It's probably fun to make this like character of Andrea vulnerable to the feedback from all the dude listeners instead of actual Andrea. Um, and huh. we had the character of Andrea, her, her safety was a little bit threatened in the course of my first iteration of the show. And I would get all sorts of emails from guys. One guy found my phone number and started calling me what? just in the middle of the night. He's like, Randy has a gun. You can't go over there. <laughs> Why are you interviewing this guy? And, and you're like, Randy is fake, right? Oh, <laughs> I tried, right? That was like my Oprah moment where I was like, but. Um, <laughs> well, there, so, there was just an inter- interview with Louis C.K. where he was saying how he regretted that he did his show using his true name um, uh, because he's like, in retrospect, like, why did I just put it all out there in this way? Yeah, but when I listen to your show, Gretchen, I hear oh. such personal listener email. So there was one email I'll never forget, which was someone who analyzed your voice yeah. and your sister's yeah. voice to the point yeah. where she could diagnose her heartburn. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's real personal. Yeah, we had, like a, we had a vocal coach email us from California telling us that, that Elizabeth's voice was not efficient. And yeah, and that she probably had heartburn, which she did, um, just from her voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And early on, when I was volunteering at WNYC, um, when I was like a lowly intern, I was doing these interviews for the CPB My Source. I don't know uh-huh. statements. And a, and a super fan was like, "How old are Brian Lehrer's kids?" I remember him saying their age three years ago, so they're probably this age and this age now. And Brian doesn't talk about his life, right. but the listeners right. have this hunger for our personal lives. Uh, and it's how do you create those boundaries? Can you? Marlo. Marlo's like, yep. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, go for a pseudonym is my, uh, <laughs> my recommendation or a voice modification software. Um, but, I mean, I think... The reality is that we are all creating characters. I mean, we're not putting everything out there. So, I mean, you could, you could argue every time you talk to someone, you're, you're a character yeah, of sure. yourself, right? right? Yeah. But um, I, I'm making choices constantly. I get a lot of people say, gosh, what you share is so personal. Um, and so how are you comfortable with that? And I'm sure we all get that. But I think, gosh, you don't know the half of it. You don't, no, you right. don't know. I don't right. have my... my Worst, you know, I'll, th- I'll put some bad parenting moments on there, but when I'm, you know, screaming at my daughter to go to bed, yeah, that that gets edited out. You know? but, but the difference is with all of us is we're going to have to answer to ourselves. Maybe Gretchen's sister, mm-hmm. but you <laughs> I have you have a different stakes. Absolutely, I have to think. Okay, I've got a you know before it was I have a five year old now I have an eight year old. I think what is the fourteen year old going to say? Um, Will she be, you know, the, the bottom line, the test for everything is always, will she, will she be comfortable and will she, will she be proud of me? Um, that's, will she feel like we, what I was doing was worth it? Because I do share really personal moments. I share conversations with her where, you know, she 
isn't aware that the recorder's on. She's too young to even process. She doesn't know. She knows mommy has a radio show, and I, you know, she's proud so, of me. But I'm, she doesn't really know what that means. So, I mean, this kind of comes to the question: Are you redrawing those lines for yourself constantly, or do you sort of have like a, a rubric that's like, like for me? I don't really go into my relationship with my husband. It's the one thing, like, I got to just, that's, mm-hmm. that's not touchable for me. Um, for now. <laughs> uh, having said that, we were just in vows column for 10 years. Give it up for that, right? Um, so, the, you know, the line is constantly being moved. Um, but do you, like, at, your, your point is moving, right? Like, as she becomes more aware. Are, yeah. are you... Right now, I guess my question is, how do you draw the line? And at what point are you going to ask her for permission? Right, right. I mean, I've gotten her permission, but it's not really meaningful when you're six to, to give permission. Um, I, I, I want her to know about it so it's not some surprise later on. And I, I, I fully expect that at some point she may shut me down and mm-hmm. say, you know, I just don't want even strangers to know our story anymore. Um, or maybe she'll take the mic away from me, <laughs> which uh, she's done some every once in a while. She says, I want to I do the talking. And, and so that's a lot of the tape. But uh, it's really tricky because it is so personal. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, this fact that she has this, the genitalia we don't expect for little girls. You know, just even talking about that. Of course, I don't talk about her body in detail. But, um, and I, I tape her talking about her own body and how she feels about it. And I, I struggle with that. I really do. Um, but at the end of the day, the feedback I get from listeners, yeah. from par- I hear from so many parents, um, especially ones who have transgender kids or think they might have a transgender child, or people who are saying, I hear from a lot of young women who say, I'm, I really want to have kids someday, and you changed how I, how I think about this and I think oh my god that unborn kid who's trans or who's going to be somebody, the best friend of a trans kid has benefited so that that's where I balance out the, the risk that I'm taking with my own that my own daughter may be in some way affected so. Megan you recently did an episode with someone who um, revealed not only that he's gay but also that he's HIV positive and he decided you have this moment at the end of the episode where you guys are like, you're like, so you want to say your real name? Like you, you struggle with this idea of I, genuine identity and storytelling being enough of a revelation that you don't need to have the real identity. Where are you sort of falling on the line with this in terms of your real voice and, and who you really are? I think it's funny how, you know, people talk about voice like it's this, obscure kind of like unachievable thing and I think a lot of times when you find your voice you don't realize you do and I also think that you shouldn't ever feel like you have you know Mm. I feel like um I was thinking about Beyonce when she was second note by the way whoever just doing shots when Beyonce um (laughs) When, when she was in Destiny's Child, like, her voice was totally different. And now look at her now, you know? And I hope that my voice were all, will always be changing and that I'll never feel like I have it. And, and when you do feel like you have it, I feel like you have to put yourself into a place that's uncomfortable in order to, to find something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gretchen, 
for you, it's yours is about self-improvement very much. So will there ever be a point where you're like, you know what? I'm done with this topic. Like, I'm curious. Like, do you ever think like, does that ever worry you that you're like, mm. my closet looks amazing. I'm perfect. Um, <laughs> not that, but like, yeah, you know, what no, I mean? no, like, I, you know, I don't know because it is such a vast subject. I feel fortunate because like it's relationships and it's health and it's work and it's creativity and it's, you know, you clear your closet and it's perfume and it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it feels extremely vast. I don't, I don't know. Cause I do sort of get obsessed with different subjects, but like habits, all of a sudden I was like, habits are really important to happiness. And it was like this whole new universe opened up to me. So I feel like it's, I feel like it's right now it feels infinite, but mm. who knows what, you know, in 10 years will I be sick of it and ready to plumb some other depths. <laughs> okay. So my, um, second to last question I think is, um, something that my producers were wondering, um, who prepped, who got you guys here, which I'm grateful to them. Um, best and worst advice you ever got. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to go first related to podcasting. Yes. Yeah. No names will be attached to these. Uh, best advice: um, write your script, but then just sit there and like live it. Right? Talk it. Be with it. Jen, once in a while, she's like, I'm, "My producer will be really annoying." She's like, "I'm going to come sit with you. You're going to talk to me." I'm like, um, "Can we just get it done?" No, you really have to be present. It's annoying but true. Okay. Worst advice: This story has no ending. How do we wrap this up? What's the end? It was huge for me. Like, I suddenly, this is um, somebody else I worked with. I was like, but there is no ending because we don't know how it ends because (laughs) that's life. (laughs) And they were like, well, it's never been done that way. I was like, well, that's because the ladies are talking now. So um, that was what I I feel very strongly about this, that wrapping a show up um, with a big bow and here's the end of the story and here's how it works out and here's the message and here's how you do it really fucking bothers me because um, life is messy and let's just acknowledge that. So those are my two. Okay. Who's got it? Uh. <laughs> I'm still thinking. I'm like, oh, Andrew, go. Oh, I have one piece that I think could double for both categories. So, oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. So the piece of advice was, um, it was very early on in my career and it was find someone who you're working with and make them way more organized than they ever huh. realized. And I put... I feel like so many opportunities were made for me because I'd make someone incredibly organized, make a project incredibly efficient, um, and I could just I could work for other people and always make what they're doing more successful. And I never stopped to figure out how to make myself that level of success. Which maybe if there's in there a category that, that would be, <laughs> yeah, we'll ponder that. Yeah. Um. No, but it, no, like isn't that actually a there's the, the four types. Yeah, the four tendencies. And yeah. one of the tendencies is... Well, upholder, questioner, uphol- obliger, and rebel. Obliger. So maybe you're obliger. You can so, do it for other people, yeah, but you so can't this, do it for yourself. One of the four tendencies is obliger. So you're yeah. helping someone else become yeah. more successful, and you are more accountable to someone else's ideas. And I've loved every job I've ever had and worked incredibly hard in it. But now my job is to oblige my own creative needs. And it's like, no one ever taught me how to do that. Ooh. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like that was one a revelation to me. Like, just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. Like, that was kind of shocking. Like, mm-hmm. I was a kick-ass international news producer. Get out of my way! I was chartering planes, and then, like it was crazy <laughs> shit. Wearing bulletproof vests, and then um, I was like, oh my god, I I'm really good at this, and I don't have to do it. It's not my destiny. 
Um, and then I found, you know, the planet of Endor and went back to the light, so it's all good. Okay, Gretchen, what's yours? Uh, well, actually, Mike Pesca, when I was starting off, gave me some really good advice. Was He said, be consistent and also surprise. And I think mm. that's great advice because I, th- I was just reading something about the Johnny Carson show, and they were saying, like, that so much of the pleasure of it comes from, like, seeing him do the same thing. And, like, that, that beca- there's, there's a real pleasure inconsistency and predictability and kind of understanding like what is what is this experience going to hold for me but at the same time then it's fun when you surprise you surprise like we had my daughter on as a guest uh guest interview and she read the intro to the show she's you know and even when i heard it i was like wait a minute that's not me who's reading the intro to my show and and it was even for me it was a surprise and it was really delightful um or so so to be consistent and also surprise then we got some bad advice, um, but it <laughs> turned out to be good advice because it, it made me reflect on what the person's point was. What the person said is like, look, you're doing a show with your sister. You really have to have conflict because conflict is what makes something interesting for people. And I was like, but I can't really have conflict with my sister because I, like, I, I don't have conflict with my sister. And we would have to like drum it up. And I had this fantasy of like having these like pretend fights, and it just seemed like the dumbest thing. <laughs> But I could see their point, which is that if it's just two people violently agreeing with each other, that's not interesting either. And I, what I realize is that we don't have conflict, but we do have differences. And, what's, and, and the things, back to this idea of like, when does the show resonate? It's when we have differences and we're both right. Like with mm. the thank you notes, she had like, um, she had a birthday party for 36-year-olds and was like, ang- like giving herself the happiness to merit for not writing thank you notes. And so she was saying, a person should write thank you notes. And I was like... Get out of town. Ta- like, life is too short, my friend, to write 30 thank you notes to a bunch of six-year-olds. Um, I wouldn't give myself a demerit for that, and I don't think you should get a demerit. And we're both right. Like, you could defend either of those, and that was what really resonated with the audience is, like, who's right? How do you think about that? What are the values at stake? And so it was bad advice to say that we had to have conflict, but it was good because it made me realize that we should really highlight the way we're different from each other because that's what's more interesting and that, that's what brings more subtle issues to light um, and gets people really thinking about, well, what do they think? Because really in the end, our show is really about, well, what's true for you? You're right. listening to us right. because you want to learn about yourself. Am I like this? Am I like that? Or I'm totally different from both of them. Um, and that's what's interesting. And so it was bad advice that turned into good advice. I love that. Did you come up with it? I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, a Such friend, a great question. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky. Um, yeah. A friend once told me to just follow your engagements. So, like, I mean? just things that, like, engage oh, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean Capello told me that. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, just t- talk about what you're interested in. I was like, you're yeah. strange. And he was completely right. So yeah. I'm with you on that one. So I was a photojournalist. And I didn't know anything about radio. Like, I had never made it before. But, like, I was so drawn to it. So there she told go. me this, and I was like, okay, let's do the scary thing. Let's, like, listen to yourself and, and do the thing that you actually want to do. That's awesome. And especially for everybody who's, like, trying to create a podcast or, like, thinking about ideas, just, like, hone in on something that will make you work really, really hard to achieve, <laughs> even if no one's listening. You'll know when you've achieved it. I think, I think, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, and then bad advice, I think, is just <laughs> doing anything that satisfies something outside of yourself. Mm. You know, money, fame. I think when you put a lot of power to those that are uh, things and people who are outside of you, you don't listen to your intuition and you don't listen to your heart. I'm a big heart person. <laughs> 
there's a lot of Pinterest pages that we can make <laughs> no. out of already today. No, it's it's true. It's the cliche thing. Cheesy but true. All right, Marlo, we're going to give you the last word. Well, my advice is actually from my mother, um, who always said, look under your nose, which was supposed, it was when we were, we couldn't find something. So, um, <laughs> so she's always saying to my daughter, you know, I can't find my Lego kit, look under your nose. Yeah. Um, but I think the way it applies here is that I, when I first started out, I wanted to do a podcast. I was, I was recording my daughter, but I didn't really know why. I just was in love with my little two-year-old, and I thought it was adorable, so I was recording her. Um, meanwhile, I thought I was looking around for a subject for radio stories. Uh. So I was going out, like everyone, looking for something interesting. Oh, would this get on, could I get this on uh, This American Life? Or, um, and... I, meanwhile, am recording my daughter saying, Mommy, I'm a girl. <laughs> and no, no connection between the fact that that might be interesting. Um, so I think, I think the lesson is look under your nose for what's going on in your life, what's interesting to you, what's right there that, um, that is an important story. And I think as women, to bring it back to that, you know, the women part, we do discount... Uh, the importance, and a lot of other people discount the importance of what we're doing, what we're experiencing. Mm. Um, and we tend to just say, oh, it's just my personal story, but it's probably, there's probably a lot of stories in your living room that people need to hear. So mm. look under your nose is my mom's advice. And worst advice? Don't wipe your nose? Um, worst <laughs> advice... Um, my worst advice is actually wasn't advice I got, but it's, it's an experience I had where... Um, the advice, I guess, the takeaway is if a man tells you you're lucky to be working with him, question that. Um, <laughs> um, I can't go into too many details, but, um, you know, when you're, you're already good enough. You know, you're doing good work, and if someone really is trying to tell you that they're going to give you the stamp of approval, um, you know, just be a little, be, be aware of your own worth, and they, they're, they're lucky to be working with you. So, amen. Good advice with good advice. Um, my panelists, you're amazing. Thank you for thank being you. here. And thank, thank you, you all us. for coming today. So interesting. Molly Webster, where is she? I think we're going to... Are we eating now? I'm what just, are we doing? Something? Oh, uh, we're not supposed to do... I don't know. Molly, where are you? You're in I, charge. I have no power in this game. That, that would can we ask it. questions? No, oh, I'm getting the thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yes, we can. Cool. Thank you. That was wonderful. Tell us. Um, stand up. Tell okay. us your name, who okay. you are. <laughs> um, my name is Allison Berenger. I produce a show called The Intern, and it's also, like, oh. memoir style, very personal. Um, so I really appreciate everything you guys had to say. So my question is, we were talking about making characters of ourselves and being aware of that process. How have making characters of yourselves affected the way you tell other people's stories and make characters of other people? Hmm. That is such a great question. I am dealing with this in a very big way right now, actually. Um, I've been following. I was going to talk about it tomorrow. Um, I'm emceeing uh, Molly, Molly's taking the day off. Um, I've been following these two women for the last two years, um, and they're local moms in Brooklyn. Of they are trying to become tech entrepreneurs. And um, at first, I thought it was going to be like, oh, working mothers becoming tech entrepreneurs. It's like a nice little interesting story. Maybe it's one episode. Two years later, um, 
I am deep in the weeds with them. And I have been one of their beta testers. They live around the corner. Uh, their relationship has changed. And um, I think that line has to be drawn over and over and over and over again. And that's what makes you a good maker, producer, in that you, it has to be the right balance, right, of people, but also substance. Um, Because frankly, like, I want both, right? Do you guys? I would say it's a communication thing as well. You know, like, the people who you're interviewing, they have to know what you're doing. Mm. That's, you got to be clear. Because they could not, if they don't know, you know, and you're kind of, like creating something on the side, <laughs> then they're going to pull out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or they're going to feel the yeah, yeah. Or, or just like that you're not being genuine. So when I when I was a photojournalist, and when we I mean we still do documentary films, and like our first conversation with people is like, we're gonna this is like we're gonna document your life, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be we're gonna document the good and the bad, and have you seen that film? We're going to make that, except it's going to be you. You know what I mean? Like, they know. And if they're uncomfortable with it, they should tell you from the get-go, and then you've got to find somebody else who mm-hmm. will be comfortable. And, but I would say that some people think that they are comfortable with it, and then time goes on, and they're not comfortable with it. And um, it's not... You, you can't back down either, you know? Like, the problem when you compress time for radio is, like, you have to draw big brushstrokes, right? And you don't get to all the nu- the nuance, which I think is hard. I try to be fair. Andrew, what do you feel like? I'm looking at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm often working with people who are in my life who I'm going to continue to have a relationship with. And mm. what I think about in that process is what's the defining characteristic of this person that I want to bring out? Like, what mm. do I really, really love about this person? And I, I editing, I, I love to make people just seem better than they might always be to me. <laughs> <laughs> that answer your question that's there's nuance in that one another thing that i do um because it's my show (laughs) (laughs) is that i tell people who i talk to like my friends and my family that they are going to be the first ones who listen to it before it goes out and like if they have if we have issues then we talk about it Mm. i'm not giving them editorial control but it's like i think having a two-way street is so important and, like, I would want that. Did your sister ever get pissed off at you? Is she like, can you please not use that part where I... Um, she would never Whatever. say to me, she might say to, to our producer, uh, Henry <laughs> Malosky, she, she might be like, oh, that sounds dumb. Or, you know, more, more often we're like, that didn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. Like, lately, that's, you know, leave that out. But, yeah, the idea that you can edit yourself or be edited. Um, it's interesting, though, the, like, for us, maybe the characters that, that are kind of not present in the room but that are kind of in 3D are our husbands. And neither of our husbands listen to the podcast because it gives them the heebie-jeebies. Um, you know? And I think so sometimes they're like, I trust you not to say anything I'm uncomfortable with, but I don't want to hear what you're saying, too. You know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, they're, and they're, they both had that reaction. That's fine. Um, so they, neither one of them... Adam came to our live show and he was like, this is amazing. And she's like, yeah, I've been doing this for a year, you know, so it's funny. Yeah. Okay. I think we, uh, we got to wrap it up. We're going to go to the next one. You guys, thanks again. And who's going to get more applause? Yay. Thank you. That was Manoush Somarodi, Megan Tan, Gretchen Rubin, Marlo Mack, and Andrea Salenzi speaking at the 2016 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios. 
and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, with additional support from the Harnish Foundation.